Father, as we come before your presence this day with, with thanksgiving and we've entered your court with praise, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. He, he makes everything possible and, and you offered him up for us as a sacrifice for our sins. You caused your son who knew no sin to become sin for each one of us, for me it's personal so that we might become the righteousness of God through him so father thank you for your son thank you for him being the door and that's what we're going to talk about a lot today is the door and so father as we talk about your patterns and we talk about the door and we talk about your son and your love and your protection for us father we pray that the word will be mighty today it'd be powerful to save Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So, Father, we pray for your word to be powerful today, unto salvation to those who need it, unto repentance for those who need it, unto encouragement for those who need encouragement, Father. And we pray that above all, that our worship, that our praise, and that our study is for one other thing, and that's to exalt you and to honor you as the Lord God of heaven in whom we serve, the only true and living God. And we thank you for your word, for your spirit who's here and going to help us to understand these things, for your son whose blood cleanses us. And we praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew. Are you guys ready? I want to preface this with a personal note first just as, as we are as a family, and we're all sitting around the table getting ready to feast upon the word of God. I want you to, to know that we've been talking about the last times and, and the end times and, and whether the church and those who believe are going to go through it or not. And what I, what I want to preface this is, this will be the last lesson. I wasn't going to do this this week, but there are so many people who are interested so many people who were wanting to know more and have different thoughts and questions that I felt the Lord was moving us to do one more. And so I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that as I present the Lord's word to you to this day, that it's because he loves you. And I love you as, as your pastor. And I want you to know the truth. There's a lot of folks out there that give you hype, that try to use a scare tactic so that you will donate and learn more. No, I want you to know the truth. I want you to be comforted by the word of God. And I want you to understand that not only from the things that we've studied so far, but from today, that God has deliberately put patterns in his word so that you will understand it. And so I want you to look for the patterns today as we go through it, okay? Don't get bogged down with how many scriptures we're going to or what we're doing. But just look for the patterns that stick out in each and every one of them, all right? And I want you, as Paul said in Thessalonians, that that way we can understand, we'll know the truth, and we can be comforted by those words because we will know that the Lord loved us that much and he doesn't want us to suffer through those things. And there's a movie that's <clears throat> going to be coming out on a one day only showing on, on Tuesday. 
and it's called Patterns of Evidence, the Red Sea Crossing. And I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's showing in, in uh, Plainfield and Bloomington, and it's a one night only, and you've got to go and order the tickets online through Fathom Events, and you can Google it. But this is like his third movie, and he's got a fourth one that's going to be coming out as a sequel to this on the Red Sea Crossing to try to prove that Moses was there and that God did what he said. And the title of these four movies total is Patterns of Evidence. God puts patterns of evidence into his word about everything that he wants you to teach. And if you string those patterns together, it's kind of like when you make a jigsaw puzzle and you start with some edges and then you see a couple of things that look alike and you put it there in the middle. At first, you don't see everything, but the more you learn and the farther you get along in the puzzle, all of a sudden it starts making sense and the whole thing comes together. And that's what I'm hoping that this does for us today through the pattern of evidences. And if you'll remember, <clears throat> when we started this out a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned patterns and we talked about patterns of God and we talked about it in terms of like salvation. You remember that, that we started with how it began in the garden with Adam and Eve and when they had sinned, that the Lord God clothed them with an animal skin, but that meant that that animal was offered up as a sacrifice for them to be covered and clothed, and how that, that blood of that sacrifice was a shadow of the Son, Jesus, who was to come, which would be God's ultimate sacrifice. Because the book of Hebrews said that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, but the blood of bulls and goats could never forgive, but only the blood of his precious, sinless Son could but these were patterns through all of those sacrifices that led to the real thing and God puts these patterns in here and I told you that there might be one more that we talk about and that's what we're going to talk about today and there's still one that we're not the marriage in the Bible is is a pattern that runs all the way through and I could show us how that in that marriage ceremony that he's gone making a room and a place for us right now to come back and get us just like we see as the marriage things and that and we're going to look at one of them today about the, the ten virgins when five were ready for his return and five weren't. But there's patterns all the way through. And in, we, in Revelation 19, we, the church, his bride, are a part of that wedding feast and that celebration, it says there, of his bride, the church, who we are. But I want you to know that we are his bride, we are his body and we are his church, and he's going to come back and get us again. And it could be real soon. We're seeing all of those signs, and we covered that the other day. And like I said, I'm not being dramatic. I'm not trying to throw that. I just want you to know and to be ready, because if you are not in Christ, you need to be. Because you do not want to face what's going to come and when, when that all comes. We are going to be removed, those who are in Christ. And you don't want to not be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's three things that a lesson is designed to do as we get ready to get into this. When I sit down and I, I pray and I get moved, I want three things to happen. I want those who are lost to know the truth and to be able to, to make a response if they need to that day for Jesus Christ. I want those who are in Christ to be edified, to be uplifted, to be encouraged with the truth and be challenged to be in a walk with Jesus the way he wants you to be and to serve him each day. 
And the third thing is, is that through it all, we honor him who gave us this word and who we gather here to worship. So let's, let's crack his, his word open then and uh, go ahead and crack it to Genesis chapter 6 if you want to. I'm going to start there with this pattern. There's patterns to God's wrath where there is a destruction that comes, but the ones who know God are saved. Can you think of a couple instances where that happened? The flood, the ark, was there? There you go. That was the two I'm listening, I was ready for. There's, there's a couple other ones, but those are the two biggies, isn't it? The two patterns of what happens when God is coming in a wrath because of wickedness and what happens to each side, those who are in Christ are saved and those who are not. There's a pattern that goes on, and that's what we're going to look at. So here we go in Genesis chapter 6, and we'll start with the ark first. And whenever you start into verse 1, it says there that as it came about that, that, the, that the earth began to be multiplied and populated when uh, there was daughters born unto the sons of men. And then it says that they were beautiful. And then it says that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took unto them all whom they chose and they went in unto them and bore unto them those who became the men of renown the men of the ode and that's that's a long story that's a sermon in itself and we have that on the podcast if you go to new life christian church uh the web page and go to sermons there's a podcast every lesson is on there that, that we've been doing. But there's a reason why all of that was, was happening. That was angelic beings who crossed over and came in under the sons of men and created the Nephilim that roamed the earth at that time. And the Lord was upset that he had made man and it, that it had turned out this way. And so he decreed and said that my spirit is not always going to strive with man. His days are numbered. I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth because of this great wickedness, but. And I always say I love the buts of the Bible. Get ready for some kind of change when there's a but in the Bible. And it says, but, and here's the contrast between that wickedness is that but God looked at Noah and it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah found grace. So what's going to happen in this difference between Noah who is found grace and who is a follower of God versus all of those who are wicked. For the Lord says that all the flesh upon the face of the earth had been corrupted. And then verse 11, the end of all flesh is here before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy the earth. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it on the inside and the outside with pitch and He's going to go on and give him dimensions and different things. God has a plan. He had a plan for that boat. He had a plan for what he was going to do during this time. And God has a plan for us. He has a plan for you and your life. And he has a plan for his church. And he says this, I've made all of these things. Whenever it says I pitched it within and without, that I want you to pitch it within and without. That word pitch means to make an atonement for to cover. Jesus' blood is our atonement. It's our covering. And if you want to go back to about October 2nd on those podcasts, it was the week before the cards, 
being told in the gospel of cards. But it's in the 1st of October. And we did Don't Get Careless With Your Cubits. And it was talking about how the ark is a representation of the church. And it was a representation of Christ. And that those who are in it were saved just like those who are in Christ are saved. And it was a representation of it. But as he goes on with it, I want you to look in verse 16. There's something that we didn't cover really good then, but we're going to hit it now. In verse 16, it says you're going to make a window for the ark. And then you're going to set a door in the side of the ark, in its side. I want a door in the side of the ark. Now, we're looking at patterns today, so circle door. Door is going to be one of our patterns of evidence that we're going to use today. So when I think of in its side, and it's a representation of Jesus Christ, you know what I think about? The cross. You remember what happened on the cross? It says that as our Lord and Savior hung there because of my sin, they wanted to make sure that he had died. And it says that the Roman soldier took his spear and thrust it where? In his side. On the ark, I want you to make a door in its side. There was a door, a piercing, an opening that was placed on the side of my Savior. And you know why? It was so that we would have a way to enter into him and to be a part of him because it's by his blood that came forth as blood and water that atones for us and is the entrance in to him. He did that for us. And he loved us. And it says that we are cleansed and that we are washed through the, the blood of the Lamb. And that you've got to be born again, John chapter 3, by the water and the Spirit. And so when the blood separates, you have blood and water when it separates. And that's what came forth. And that's when we hit the water, the blood is there with us. But that soldier drew that. And you remember... Doubting Thomas, we like to call him, but I just call him inquisitive because he would be just like us if we were there. You remember the Lord appeared to him after his resurrection. He appeared, but Thomas wasn't there with him. And when he came back, they said, hey, Thomas, we saw the Lord. He's, he came and he appeared to us and he was there with us. And you remember what he said? I don't believe it. Unless I what? Yeah, hallelujah. He said, I'm not going to believe until I can put my finger in the nail marks of his hand or I can stick my hand in, into his side. That hole, that door is for belief. It's for those who will believe to enter in because you remember eight days later, that this time they're all together. Thomas there among them. And Jesus appears in that room. And you know what? He, he comes to him. And he says, Thomas. He said, reach forth your hand. Put your finger here. Put your hand in my side. And you remember what Thomas said? My Lord and my God. That door is a door of opening for belief for you to enter in. 
And so that door was opened on our Lord. The ark, he said, I want you to put a door on its side. And then I think about Jesus when he was teaching. In John chapter 10, you remember that when he's trying to tell him, I'm the good shepherd and you are my sheep. And in John chapter 10 and verse 1, he says, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the what? Yeah, the gate or the door. Depends on which translation you got going on. I put on there the door because that's our theme and that's what it means. The gate is the door, the entry in. It says, I am the good shepherd. Those that enter in by the door are coming unto me. But those who try to climb up or go a different way, they are nothing but thieves and robbers and liars because they are not telling you the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on to be more reassuring. In verse 2, he says, He who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep and the doorkeeper, and he opens them because you, my sheep, hear my voice, and you come through the door. And he says in verse 7, most assuredly, see, he wants you to know something for sure. Most assuredly, I am the door. It doesn't get any plainer than that. I am the door. I am the shepherd to you, the sheep. Verse 9 again, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me, by me, in me, through that door, by me, anyone who enters in, what's that last verse say up there? Will be saved. You enter in by that door, you will be saved. What happened to those who entered into the ark by the door in the side? They were saved. They were delivered from what was getting ready to happen, and they were saved. That's what Jesus said. Now, we are the church. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 18 and 24, that section ends and begins with the same thought, the same phrase. It says in verse 18, and Jesus, and he is the head of the what? Body. Who are we? The body, because that is the church, who is the beginning and the end. He is the one who was born from the dead. Then all things he has preeminence, and he closes it out in verse 24 by saying, Paul said, I can rejoice in my sufferings for you all and fill up my flesh in what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. There's no doubt. The church is the body of Christ and he is our head. And to be in the body, we enter in through him, the door who is our head. And speaking of which, let's, Let's go back to Genesis, our text that we started out with this morning. Let's go to chapter 7 now. And on chapter 7, the Lord said to Noah, I want you to come into the ark. Now, how are they going to go in the dark? Y'all tracking? Through the door. Okay. I want you to come in through the door that's on the side, into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous. You know what that means? He knew the Lord. Because none of us is righteous. The book of Romans says, no, not one. There is none of us righteous. Even if we tried to be righteous, it says in Isaiah that all of our righteousness are as but filthy rags. We cannot be righteous without the blood of the Lord covering us and making us righteous. It says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 
through him and in him. And so in him is righteousness. Outside is not. So when the Lord says, come in to the side, that means you're a believer and you are going to enter in because of the righteousness I see on you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, come on in to the boat. And then he says, once you're in, verse 4, I want you to look there. For those of you who like prophecy and you're, you're looking at connections in that sort of way, it says, come inside and after seven days, the big stuff hits. It, what's that kind of sound like? What's the seven-year thing that happens between the time that we go out and before it really all ends? Yeah. So you're going to go inside the side of the ark, and you're going to be safe, and then seven days is going to elapse, and then there's going to be the biggie hits that really destroys everything. And so they go in. I see we're looking for patterns, and that's what we're hammering on. Verse 7, so... Noah and his family entered into the ark because of the flood waters that was to come. Down at verse 10, and it came to pass that after they had entered the ark, seven days afterwards, the floods appeared. And then, uh, here we get to some of the exciting parts. Verse 15, you go down to it. They went into the ark, all of the animals, two by two, and they all come in unto Noah. And it says, they entered male and female and went in through the door as God had commanded them, and now catch this last phrase in verse 16. Who shut the door? The Lord shut the door, didn't he? They entered in by faith of what he said was going to happen. They entered into the ark, the representation of Christ, by the door. And after they entered in, the Lord shut the door. You know what that reminds me of? You remember the parable our Lord, Lord told about the wedding that was coming and the bridegroom in Matthew 25, starting out there in verse 1. You remember the ten virgins, the five wise, and the five foolish? You remember what happened in that story? It sounds just like this. It says that there was five, there was ten virgins waiting on the bridegroom to come for the wedding ceremony to take place. And they had all been waiting and five fell asleep and five were awake. There was five of them prepared with oil and they were prepared and ready. There was five who was not prepared and ready. And a shout came at midnight and said, The Lord is coming. Go out and meet him. That sounds to me an awful lot like First Thessalonians. It says that there's going to be a shout and the ark of the archangel and the trump of God is going to sound and we're going to what? We're going to go out and meet him. We're going to rise and meet him up there in the air. He's kind of talking about this here because he's getting ready for that celebration that's coming. And he says, the great noise coming, the shout went out and said, go out and meet him. And the five said, we're not ready. We got no oil. We're not ready. Well, then you got to go buy some. I can't give you none of mine. You got to do it on your own. You got to be ready for yourself. And so it says that the five who were wise, who were ready, who were prepared, who had been waiting on this day to come, says that they went in. That when he came, they went in through the what? Oh, we're trending, aren't we? There's that pattern, okay? Whenever I used to, to be at work, we looked for trends. And when there was too much of a trend with the microbials going on in the insulin room, we had to shut it down because you're trending the wrong way and you don't want anyone to get sick. Now, we're trending here with this door thing. So they go into the door, and the five who were foolish, 
come back now, and they start what? Knocking on the door. And they, what did they say? I want in. Let us in. And what did the Lord say? I didn't know you, did I? You weren't prepared before I shut the door. And the door is now... Who shut the door of the ark? Who shut the door here on the wedding celebration? And he said, you weren't ready. Folks, this is why I give you these words of God as urgency. Because I want everyone ready. I don't want anyone outside knocking. What a terrible thing that would be to be outside the ark and all of a sudden they realize it and they started knocking. Or to be outside this door as the Lord came and we went and someone's out there knocking. Don't wait. If you are not in Christ, enter that door today. And we're going to close out with that one because we got this pattern of evidence all the way through the scriptures as we go on. So they, the five went in to go get ready for that wedding celebration that you can read about in Revelation 19. The other ones weren't ready and they're going to have to face what's coming then with, to the rest of the world. So now, now we get to full circle to where we were last week when you remember in Revelation 1 we had the outline of the book of these things and the Lord told John to write and he said I want you to write in a threefold outline the things which you have seen the things which are and then the things that will come after these things and that word metatauta and I, see I didn't even make this slide that's on on there if you google images and put revelation 119 that comes up because that's a key word metatauta that's your key that gets you the connection to chapter 4 and verse 1. What's going to happen after these things? So th think about that. What's going to happen after these things? That which is, is the church age. That which happens after this is what's going to take place in chapter 4, verse 1. But before you get there, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, starting th 7 through 10, tells us something there. It says, I'm going to write to the faithful church. You know, people say, are these... Things for us, yes, because every one of them ends with he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It, this word is to us, and these all represent, even though they were literal churches then, they represent churches now. Some churches are dead churches. Some churches are faithful churches. Some churches have lost their first love. So whatever the category fits, he gives you the remedy for that so that you can be Philadelphia. You can be the faithful church. And to the faithful church, he says, This things which is he who is holy and he who is true and he who has the key of David. And he says this, I know your works. There's a sobering thought. He knows. I know your works. I know what you've been doing. I know that you are doing pretty good here at Philadelphia. And I've set before you an open door. No one, I've set before you a what? Open door. See, we're trending here. I've set before you an open door that no one else can shut for you because I have the keys to it. I am the true and the faithful one and I've opened a door for you. You've got a little strength and you kept my word. And you didn't deny my name. So, verse 10, since... 
You have kept my command to persevere and to keep on keeping on. I will also keep you from what? The hour of trial or temptation which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell there. So there's a door for those who are faithful so that you do not have to be there when the hour of temptation or testing or trial comes. Now, that's when we turn to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 last week. You remember that, that there was John beheld and after these things, that key word that says we're moving on to the new thing, what did he see? (laughs) There's a door and it's open. And the one who talked to me in the first place said, what? Come up here. Again, we're, we're trending in that, aren't we? That shout of the, the trunk, come up here and meet me. Arise and go meet the bridegroom in Matthew 25. Here, come up here. And from here, you're going to see what's going to happen after these things. This is the pattern in the word of God. This is his pattern of evidence for us and for those times that's going to come. Now let's dig a little deeper because that's kind of where we ended last week. We're just getting started. Let's start peeling these layers off like onions, man, because it's you, these patterns of evidences are coming. Jesus taught about these things in like Matthew 24 and in Luke 17. And I, I'm going to go to Luke now because what did we say was the two big catastrophes upon the world? Okay, Jesus is going to refer to that. See, there's patterns all through it. And everything was written for a purpose, for us, for our knowledge. So now in Luke 17, if you're there, starting in verse 26, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of who? Son of man, us. In the day that he comes for us. Just as, so that was a type. That was a pattern, wasn't it? As it was then, it will be when I come for you. So listen up and see what happened then. He said, in that day, they were eating, they were drinking, they were giving in marriage and being married. In other words, life went on and no one paid any attention to Noah, the preacher of righteousness, who was building this ark that they were making fun of and saying, y'all need to repent, y'all need to know the Lord, and you all need to come into the boat with me. And it says they blew him off. That's not for our time. I don't, I'm not going to worry about that. And they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage and being married. And, and all of life was happening. And then it says, until the very day that Noah entered the ark. Through what? He went through the door. He entered the ark. And then on that very day... They realized something, and then the floods began to come. And then Jesus says, not only that, I give you another pattern here. There's another pattern involved. As it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sowed, they planted, they built. Life was going on, and no one paid any attention to what was happening. And it says, but on the day... That Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from the heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be when? Okay, so shouldn't we be ready? Just like he said in, in that parable of those ten virgins 
five were ready, five weren't. We should be ready because he said, you know not the hour or the day or the time that the Son of Man will come. So don't let him come finding you not watching and not ready. So we have to be ready because it's going to be like the days of Noah and it's going to be like the days of Lot. And when the door is shut, it's too late. So just like it was in the parable of the virgins. Now, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this. We're going to keep going. We've, we've looked at Genesis chapter 6 and 7 about the flood, right? Well, let's go on down. I hope this is motivating you, if you're not in Christ, to get in Christ today and don't delay. If, if you are in Christ, this should motivate us to be ready and live our life each and every day as if he is coming to get us, his bride, this day. But now, let's... After looking at the flood, Jesus brought in Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's take a look there. Genesis 18. Let's, let's pop back that way again. Genesis 18, we're going to see a conversation by someone who was concerned because his loved one was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was his nephew, and he had been raising him ever since his brother died. And Lot had separated himself from Abraham. And if you have been here on Wednesday nights, you know we've just studied that in chapter 15 and 16. And we've studied where that has just happened. We're, we're getting ready to be here in a couple of weeks where we're at. But so he's really worried about him. And in verse 20 of chapter 18, the Lord says, you know, I need to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. I know Lot's there. I know Abraham's concerned. So I need to tell him what's getting ready to happen because I, I want him to know. And he says, Abram, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is very great. And it's very grievous. And it's rising up to me. And I need to go and see if it's true. And then I need to take care of it as it is. And Abraham asked God the same question that a lot of us have either been asked or we asked. What's that mean for us? And are we going through this time of the problem and the trial? And the, just as it is in the days of Lot or Noah, will we be there as it is in the Son of Man comes? So Abraham in verse 23 in love draws near to God. Now imagine this. He's, he's having a conversation with God and he's doing some bargaining with God. He is trying to bargain for safety for his loved ones. And he says this. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? That's a good question, isn't it? Would you do that? Are you going to have the righteous? Now, now look at verse 23. Are you going to have the righteous go through the hour of trouble with the unrighteous? Verse 25. Far be it from you, Lord, to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked? So that the righteous should be just as they are going through it. And there's no separation. There's no discernment. There's nothing that, that you are going to do that says, I'm going to take care of mine and not those who aren't mine. Are you not going to do that? Lord? Far be it from you to do such a thing as that, he says again. Shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? Wow. That takes some intestinal fortitude to stand before God and say something like that, doesn't it? I mean, to stand before him and say, far be it from you, Lord, to do something like that. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Far be it from you to let the righteous go through it with the unrighteous. That took some guts. 
But he stood up there and he said that to the, to the Lord. And then the Lord said, you know what? I shall spare the righteous. Abram started bargaining with 50. If you read the story, he's going to go all the way down to 10. If, if there is 10 who are found to be righteous, would you slay them along with the wicked? And the Lord went that far as to say, if in all of those cities I can find 10 who would be for me, I won't destroy any of them. I'll give them a chance. You remember in the days of Jonah, that was going to happen over there to Nineveh, but Jonah's repentant, preaching brought repentance and spared him for another couple hundred years. The Lord's saying here, if I can find some people who will be faithful, I will spare them for a while. I will give them a chance to come unto me. Abraham thought he had that down because in his mind, all of Lot's family and their kids and their husbands would make up ten. Surely all of the family would come out and then the Lord will spare that. So, you know what happens next? Flip over to chapter 19 if you're following along. So now we come over to chapter 19. Lot has given them given the Lord this challenge and stood up and the Lord said, okay, if, if we can find that, we will. So the Lord sends his two other angels into that city. And the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah was even greater than what was even thought or imagined at that time. And it says, as you start going through that chapter in the first four verses, that even all of the men of Sodom, these two angels that came and were spending the night with Lot and his family to warn them of what was happening, that all of the men, young and old, from every quarter and part of the city came to his what? Door. They came to the door of Lot's house because that's where they're at. They came to the door and in verse 4, the entire city there, they wanted those two angels in a carnal way, all of them. And Lot went outside and pleaded with them, no, do not do this thing, but they wouldn't listen. Now catch this, verse 6. So Lot went out through the door, the doorway. That was separating the what? The, the wicked from the godly. That was, the door was the separation point. And it says the believers from the unbelievers in the Lord was basically it was a separation point. And it says he went out the doorway and he shut the door behind him. That's a bad move. You don't want to go outside the door. But he was so concerned about the situation he took the chance. And then he even offered his two daughters who were virgins and who knew not a man. But don't do it to these guests who are my visitors. And they refused. And I couldn't have even been that righteous as Lot. I had not done that. But, the, but he did. But these men were so dead set against that. They said, no, but we will have those two angels. And you know what had to happen after that? If you look down through there, it says that those two angels opened the reached through the crack and grabbed Lot and pulled him back inside the door and they shut the door and they couldn't break through. And they had the angels then struck them all with blindness and they groped around trying to find the what? The door. But they couldn't find the door and because they couldn't find the door, they had refused to find the door to get in on the other side. They went away to their homes on the outside of the door. And the next day, 
they had those two angels said, we have to get out of the city because the Lord is getting ready to strike it. And the other family members of Lot had laughed at him. Their husbands who were from that area had laughed and refused the word of the Lord and the offer of salvation. And so Lot and his wife and his other two daughters who were within his house they didn't want to leave because they had more family there. That's why I'm asking you to get to those that you love and to tell them about the Lord and his coming before it's too late and bring them here to the house of God and to get inside Jesus Christ and get on the right side of that door before it's too late. Those angels had to say, we've got to get out of here. It's coming. They, but I've got loved ones. But you got to go now because you're inside the door and the Lord's shutting the door and it says that they those two angels grabbed Lot his wife and the two daughters each in one hand and drug them out of that city to spare them and then the fire and brimstone rained down but do you see a pattern evolving about doors about the times of God's wrath coming and where the righteous versus the unrighteous versus those who are in Christ versus those who are not in Christ, where you stand in all of these pictures and all of these patterns. So now, whew, whew, let's catch our breath for a minute. Turn to Revelation 6 while we're catching our breath. The question that it still has to be asked about us is that same question that Abraham had for Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will you spare the righteous and separate them from the wicked when the time of your wrath is coming? Or will, they, will the righteous be just as they are and treated no different? Will not the judge of the earth do right? Well... If we go to Revelation chapter 6, our contention is, is the church went through the door in chapter 4 verse 1 and that we're there watching. Remember those 24 elders we talked about last week if you were here and how that they were singing the song of the redeemed in chapter 5 and that song was that you... Lord, have washed us in your blood and you have redeemed us and you have made us to be kings and priests under our God. And in chapter 1, that's who he was writing to was the church before it left. And now they are there in that area of heaven before the throne of God in chapter 5 singing that. Look what happens in chapter 6. The seals are being opened. The Lord, the Lamb... The lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to take of that and to start opening the seals. And by the time you get down in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 8, the fourth seal, I think it is, starts to happen. And it says this, that a fourth of the planet is going to be under the condemnation of death. That that pale rider on the pale horse, that fourth one, is going to ride out and I behold him. And he who sat upon the horse was death. And hell followed along behind him. And power was given unto them over a fourth part of the earth. To what? To kill. Lord, are you going to spare the righteous from that? Or are you going to allow them to go through it like... No. The pattern... From the ark, the pattern from Sodom and Gomorrah was 
the righteous are through the door. Chapter 4, we're through the door. So the pattern is we're through the door. So we are the beloved bride of Christ. We don't have to face the death. That says that one billion... 800 million. Think about that because power is given to this pestilence, this famine, to these plagues that's coming, that coronavirus. I heard this week, we've been talking about that a couple times, and I heard this week from experts under the radar that can't be quoted on the mainstream. They said, now these are guys I listen to on YouTube who are Christian men who have ties inside places that get information for those who are listening. They are the watchmen on the watchtower type thing. And they said that the experts are saying that this thing can explode in the next three months and could affect 60 to 80% of the world's population. That they are trying to play it down because if they tell you this, now listen, if they tell you this, what's going to break out? Chaos. Chaos. You're going to run to the stores within one day, everything's gone. They've got to have plans in place to handle the chaos and how they're going to handle the quarantines they're learning from China, how they're going to handle the situation here to prevent the spread, the widespread of it. So this could be, I'm not saying it will be, I'm saying that the people who know say it could affect that many people. If it does and the ratio is like it said, it could be to this proportion, but think about it. One billion, eight hundred million people are the, has been given by the rider on the pale horse, which is death and hell, to kill these folks and take possession of them. I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be my family. I don't want that to be you, my family. Or anyone else in your families. That is speaking of something on biblical proportions. From the word of God in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 8. And from what I read from the pattern of God is. That his church, his bride has entered in through him the door. And is escaping those things as it says in chapter 4. And we're praising him before the throne in chapter 5. So that when it hits the fan in chapter 6. We're not there. Amen. You know why? Because we've got some promises in the word of God too don't we? What's Romans 8 and chapter uh, verse 1 say? There is therefore. Quote it. Quote it. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are where? In Christ Jesus. To those who have entered in through the door. There is therefore now no condemnation. You're special. You're different. You're mine. And I do treat you differently. Abraham bargained and God admitted I treat you differently. There are mine and there are those who aren't mine. And I want everyone to be mine. I offered my son up for everyone that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you know what he said in, in two verses later? That's 3.16 and we all know that. 3.18 he said this though. He who believes in Jesus is not condemned. 
But he who does not believe in Jesus, our door to the sheepfold, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's a fearful place to be. Don't be on the outside. So by now, by verse 16 of Revelation 6 where we're at, those who were left there and are facing those horses and facing that rider, that pill rider of death and hell, by the time you get down to verse 16, it says that they are screaming and they are crying for the rocks, for their mountains, for something to come and fall upon us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, I want you to notice it says the wrath of the Lamb, not the day of the Lord. Those are two different things. The wrath of the Lamb is the days of the tribulation. Chapter 19 is the day of the Lord when he comes. And in chapter 20 and 21 and 22 closes the thing out. In between from chapter 6 here to chapter 19 is the wrath of the Lamb. And you get the seals, you get the vials, you get the bowls. And I don't want to be there. Amen. We in Christ have no condemnation, but he who has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God is condemned already because he has not believed. But this is the pattern. It's the pattern that goes from Genesis chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 22 that there is a door open through our Lord Jesus Christ for those who will believe in him and enter into his safety, whether it was the ark whether it was the door at Lot's house, whether it was the door to the sheepfold, and then now in Revelation 4, the door to heaven. But those who believed and entered in through the door, through that pattern of evidences, we have the faith and the courage to now believe and obey in this. As we get ready to close, I'm going to give you two more real quick, okay? Because we're going to bring this now full circle. We've talked about it's amazing how the, both of those were there in Genesis in the beginning, the, the flood and the um, uh, lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then our Lord talked about it in Luke 17. And then now Peter, his disciples, are going to talk about it as we get ready. And it says this in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. If the Lord did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Nor did he spare the ancient world of the ungodly, those who did not enter the door of the ark. But he saved Noah and the eight people who entered the door of the ark, and then brought the flood upon the ungodly, but separated the righteous in the ark from safety from the wrath of those that was to come up on the world. Now, verse 6. God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He condemned them to destruction, he made them as an example, and that word means to be a monument. When you set up a monument to something, it's so that everyone from now on will look at that and remember what happened in that. We have monuments all over the place in the United States. But it says that now this is set up, Sodom and Gomorrah, in ashes as an example, as a monument to all of those who would not live godly, who would live ungodly, who would not be in Christ, but... There's that bud of the Bible. He what? He delivered Lot who was oppressed by their filthy and wicked ways and conduct. And then we get an, so 
this pattern of evidence that we studied this whole way. Look at verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Circle this. So then, after seeing this, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. What was that word that we had in Revelation 3, 10, Ron? The, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptation or the time of trial and how to reserve the unjust for punishment until the day of judgment. Punishment until the day of judgment. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly, those who are in the boat, in the door, from those who are not. He knows how to deliver them. Back to that chapter 3, verse 10. Because you have kept my word and my patience, I will keep you from the hour of temptation. Do you see the pattern in the word of God? We don't need people hyping things, scaring you, telling you things that are false. The word of God spells it out in his patterns and he has made it clear. And then lastly, this is the last one. And this is where I was going to say as the worship team returns. <laughs> but I'm glad because we had to go get Zoe and if the classes want to come down too. Whew. Last scripture for today, guys, as we get ready to go home. We can celebrate on this, okay? Jesus said this, 1 Peter chapter 3. And remember, he was the close disciple of Jesus, and he heard all those things he taught. And he says this, this is what happened when Christ died. He, he rose again, but as his death, that three days in burial, this is what happened. And I want you to listen to what happened. Christ hath once suffered for our sins. He was the just for the unjust, that he might bring us into that righteousness, into God. Being put to death in his flesh, but he was made alive in his spirit during that time after the cross. By which, that by the spirit of God, he also went and preached to those spirits who were in the prison. And we studied that weeks ago about the Tartarus world there with Lazarus and the rich man, you remember. He went into those places, and he preached unto them that are in prison, which were sometime disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in where? The days of Noah. You see, there's a pattern throughout this whole thing. In the days of Noah, while that ark was preparing, and that door was getting ready to be put in its side, wherein few, that is what, eight souls were saved by what? The like figure... Whereunto even baptism doth now what? I'm glad you said it, not me. That, that's just the word of the Lord. It says that just like the Lord said that as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be when I come. Who were the ones who were spared? Those who were on the boat. How do you get through the boat? He says this. He said, as it was, that ark and that boat and that deliverance of those who were faithful, that is a like figure whereunto even baptism doth now also save us. See, he, the ark and the boat represents the Lord and the door that's in. And he has gone now on into heaven. That saves us. It's not a putting away of the filth of the flesh, but it's your answer of a good conscience, saying, I believe in what you're saying, Lord, and I am going to do this, even though that sounds like something that's nothing, but you said do it, so I'll do it in faith because it's through th those little things like that and obedience that big things happen. That is what it is. And he says, that is my pattern 
of redemption that puts you into the boat. And so now I ask you, the like figure, those of you who aren't in Christ, if you want to be in Christ today, I turned the water on last night because there's a young man that's going to get ready to come up here because he let me know this weekend that he wants to be in Christ. He's going to get ready to go to the army and he doesn't want to be out there and not, not be in Christ. And we said, come on, the water's going to be warm. If you are here and you have been so moved by the word of God that you are not in Christ, but you don't want to face what's happening, you want to get through that door today, I've got clothes. I will lay them out. I will give them to you. You can change and come up and join us and be baptized into Christ today through that door. For those of us who have done that, I pray that these patterns of examples have encouraged us that the time could be near. I want to live my life prepared like the five who were ready to go through the door. Let's, let's live a prepared and urgent life in Christ, okay? And be ready. And then we tell everyone else, like they told the other ones, go do it for yourself. They said, go get yours. Be like we are. You need to come to Christ today. So take the message, live for Christ, and tell your family and your friends so that they do not get left outside the door. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the patterns of evidence that's within your word. And I pray that your word is powerful. That your servant delivered it in a way that it could be understood easily. And that it would be the power of God unto salvation to those hearts who have not yet opened up to the fact that they want Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And I pray that they do, Father. And I pray that those who are so moved will come forward. And I pray for those of us who have made that step that we Continue to live faithful, Father, like you promised that church at Philadelphia because you've kept my word and you persevered and you've hung on to the end. I've got an open door for you that takes you out of the time of trial. Father, I pray that we live a life like that so whether our coming is at your trumpet sound or just when we stop breathing, that we will enter into that door and see you face to face on that day, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name, thanking you. Amen.